You're listening to Radio Free Fargo. Hey, this is Kay, and you're tuned into The Wow Factor. Join us as we talk with passionate guests who shed light on all things wellness. Join our conversations and find inspiration to live well, be well, and discover a wealth of wellness. This podcast is brought to you by People's Rising Academy, a nonprofit 501c3 in Fargo, where prevention and lifestyle choice is the definition of healthcare. Building athletes at life is what they're all about. Support building someone suffering into an athlete at life and contribute to our mission by going to peoplesrising.org and click on the Change a Life Today button. Also follow them on Facebook and Instagram at People's Rising. Dr. Miles is the Director of Care at People's Rising Academy and Jody's the Director. Together they are building athletes at life and your positive connection to happier, healthier life. People's Rising Academy. Today we're talking with our amazing guests back on the show, Jody and Dr. Miles. And we're going to be talking more about stress. And we're going to cover things such as immune pain, learning, memory, and who gets stressed the most. Welcome to the show, guys. It's great to have you back. How are you? Hey, Kay. Doing pretty good. Ready to rock and roll? Hey, Kayla. Hey. Yeah, we're so ready to rock and roll because... Last month, we covered so many aspects of stress and so many things that people are like the body and how the body works with stress and how stress is damaging. And I'm really excited to dive into part two. Part one was a lot, a lot of information. And it took me a couple of times just to listen to it myself to kind of get a good round, well-rounded take on it. And um, I'm super excited to dive into part two. Uh, Can you give us a little synopsis of what we're going to be talking about today? Yeah, so we're going to finish up with some physiology, basically how it affects the body. And then we're going to get into who gets stressed, what types of personalities get stressed, and then how to cope with those stressors. I I think this is probably the most important day. And it's just important that we all get through this, the weeds per se, of this physiology and understanding that stress isn't just a buzzword. Like it so oftenly uh, gets abused between doctors, patients, and just people. We, we throw it around, you're stressed, de-stress, get better, the end. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah, right. Okay. <laughs> so, I wish it was that easy. <laughs> the cortisol pro. No, just kidding. Anyway. <laughs> oh, so, yeah. Jumping into the immune, you know, again, I'm going to really touch, touch this quickly, is in the short term, stress enhances our immunity. Because what we want to do is we want to have a memory to what that stressor was. And so a short-term stress, just one and done, the immune system actually goes up. You know, where we get into problems is with the long-term stress or the long-term little transient stressors. So transient stressors are much like a roller coaster. If you go up and down and up and down and up and down, those are what we call transient stressors and chronic stress is something that just hammers you and stays with you the whole way. So again, your transient stressors, a lot like going up and down on a roller coaster, those are the ones that, those are the people that we watch for autoimmunity, whereas the chronic stress people, we watch for suppressed immunity. So those are the people that get the cold, you know, six times a year, they get allergies and they get a sinus infection, bronchitis, pneumonia, and then it's done and they repeat. Whereas the people that just have little roller coaster rides, let's just say you go to work and you feel great, you come home and your relationship is poor with your spouse and stress cranks up and then it cranks down and then it cranks up and then it cranks down. Those are the autoimmune patients. Those are the types of stressors that cause lots of autoimmunity. And those, that's basically all I want to touch with immune system, just to know that the immune system does respond well to stress as long as it's short term and it's not constant, like a hilly roller coaster. Uh, okay, that makes a lot of sense to kind of clarify between the two, because like I definitely definitely know where I'm falling into category of, um, you know, I get a lot of inflammation that's due to stress. I have a lot of digestive issues due to stress. I don't get sick very often, but I've got like this constant kind of just my body's just not working with me. There's something out of joint, and that's I think there's a lot of people that kind of fall into that boat. Are both boats, I guess. Um, yeah, that's interesting. I'm excited to hear more about. Are we going to kind of dive into each of those a little bit? 
the transient stressors, the roller coaster that keeps going up and down. And if you kind of think about it, every time you go up over a hill and you come down, you just don't come back down to your baseline because the stress hits you again. So you go back up again mm. and you start coming down, but then you go back up again. And before you know it, you're hitting this area where the body, they're, they're called T cells and B cells, and they can't differentiate friend from foe. They're under so much pressure from glucocorticoids, from its own defense of all the viruses and bacteria in the, in the system that they just start flagging the thyroid. They just start flagging the intestine and they just start lighting up all these things. And the flag doesn't mean you have autoimmunity, but it does mean you've been marked. So the next time your immune system ramps up, it's going to attack everything with a flag. Wow. That That's makes a lot of sense. Yep. Hmm. So you're always on that edge, basically. It never comes yeah. back down all the way. That is kind of like, I feel like a lot of people struggle with and like, I'm, I'm in that category. It's like, I sometimes will take and manifest stress and like, I'll make a situation that isn't stressful. I will like amp it up. Like, I don't know if it's my personality type or what it is, or if it's just a trained response. Uh, so I feel a lot of these responses I'm having can be trained to not react that way. Is there any way to kind of remedy this reactive state I'm in? Say I'm like, if I'm working on a project, I'm in, instead of enjoying the process, which I should, I'm like, got to get this done. Got to get this deadline, deadline, deadline. And I hammer on myself. And then all of a sudden I've got indigestion. Yep, exactly. So you just had a, a switch from, you just repair a sympathetic, relaxing, Again, not running from a tiger, not being beat up by somebody or, or not even exercising, but you just jumped into that mode because you manifested it from your own brain. And that's what we're going to get to is humans have the unique ability, especially, you know, we live in a very privileged society. We don't have to worry about eating, dying for the most part. We don't. Mm -hmm. And we manifest a lot of our stress in our head. Yeah. And that's. And that, and that response definitely can take you from a rest and digest to a sympathetic. And then you, your stomach starts to gurgle because you still haven't digested your food. And now you have this battle, this seesaw bouncing back and forth, right? Mm -hmm. And we'll, we'll get into that later. And the, the big thing with deadlines is what we'll find out later as anticipatory stress, even before the event happens, is probably the worst type of stress. So you're, you're anticipating a deadline. You're during that deadline, right? You haven't even handed in your project to see if you got a, an A or, a, or an F. You haven't even got to the big stressful event yet. You're in anticipatory stress. You are anticipating a deadline that you have to complete. And what you'll find out is anticipatory stress is the worst stress. <laughs> I think that's, that's exciting. Thanks. <laughs> that is that is definitely the boat I'm in. Sad to say, it's. Um, I recently actually took a, an evaluation on how I handle stress, and I scored a pretty high number, higher than I thought. And I realized, wow, I am not my pa neural pathways or my pathways of how I handle any normal situation should be on a different path. And that is that stress that's manifesting is manifesting in my body's response. I definitely can feel it. Uh, many of us can and aren't even aware of it. And now I'm aware. I'm like, well, geez, there's my problem. I shouldn't be on, I don't need like it's maybe not the foods I'm eating. It's more so the stress that I'm creating in my own mind that's causing my stomach to not work properly. I don't right. know. Right. So anticipation and mm -hmm. predictability go hand in hand. And those are your two biggest drivers for your before stressful events, right? Mm -hmm. if, if, if a spouse can feel a divorce coming and the divorce papers haven't happened yet, you'll find out before the divorce even happens that these people are just cooked. They are burning. They know what's coming. Is it going to be from you or is it going to be from your spouse? And then it hits you, right? There's your major stressful event. So this is where you talk, well, we just talked about the roller coaster. The roller coaster leads up to that giant, bam, 
here's the divorce papers, and there's your chronic stressor. So now you've developed, let's just say, a Hashimoto's thyroiditis or a Crohn's disease, which I see in a lot of patients that have gone through um, um, divorces, and then you smack them with the actual divorce, now their immunity goes to crap, mm. right? So they got this inflammatory condition, whether it's in your guts or in your, in your thyroid, and then all of a sudden you can't you can't invoke a uh, immune response, so yeah. you get sick, you get the cold, you get something, you get your allergies, you become allergic to peanut butter, you lose tolerance, you lose oral and chemical tolerance, smells become worse, they give you a headache, you mm-hmm. eat a food and just instantly in ten minutes your stomach starts to rev up, you, you're losing tolerance, your immune system can't differentiate anymore, and that's. Kind of where the big mix in, and that's a good example is if you have a year of a crappy marriage, that's a roller coaster. And then somebody drops the papers, whoever it is, there's the acute stressor that's probably going to be chronic for a while. Mm-hmm. And that's where you can see you can get that first part of that, that stress response where you're really revved up, you're autoimmune prone, and then you get the second part where you just flatline and you can't respond to anything. Mm-hmm. So that, that's just kind of the sad story of what we just talked about right there. Yeah, that's it. It's intense and it's, it's scary how, how many people are kind of going through, whether it be a, a divorce, a change in do- a job, even the current situations with, you know, exactly. so much unrest in, the, in, our, um, in our world and unknowns behind that, you know, COVID virus. There's a lot on that's a there's a lot of things and I you know Dr. Miles to kind of take it in a in a slightly different direction for a moment I just you know I I've noticed a lot of people are struggling in their relationships right now that maybe weren't struggling before but because of the heaviness of just the world around them out of their control I see a lot of you know struggles there is that have you noticed anything like that or have you do you have any ideas of, you know, a little deeper in on why that is? Is, it, is there a correlation between couples or friends and having issues and dealing with this added stress of the world today? Right. So what I, what I see in, in practice, and you don't get this directly by, from patients because humans, and especially Norwegians, that's a different talk, but pe- people of a Northern European descent do not like confrontation, right? So they, it's the term beat around the bush. You beat around the bush. Mm-hmm. And that's heavily influenced from ancestry. So it's a lot of Northern European ancestry. Mm-hmm. And so what I deduce from patients when they come in is their cope was likely their work or their cope was likely the gym. We've taken away people's copes. And, you know, the one of the saddest ones, and it, it doesn't even have to be this way i just fortunately i guess in north dakota you see a lot of it is taking away people's church has crushed a lot of my elderly patients like it it didn't even hit me until you know they started coming in and just like you know yeah my schedule just is disrupted i I can't go to church my Mm. i just don't know what to do is we've taken away a lot of cope Mm. and i think when this, if this virus, which it probably will come back around here, um, that later this year, and it already is starting to a little bit, you know, I'll wait and see. I know I don't like to go yelling and screaming until I know for sure. Mm-hmm. But I think what we're going to run into is we just made a whole society that relies on, let's just say God, that relies on work, that relies on babysitters, that relies on restaurant working. We just took all, we took everybody's cope away. Stress is a normal part of life, but it's how you cope, which makes you better. And we just removed that. Yeah. And therein, mm-hmm. therein lies the problem. Mm-hmm. You know, therein lies, lies the problem. And there's a lot of different things to do with this whole virus coming up. I would just say, let's get, let's get, you know, Dr. Fauci, we all know that name by now, or at least think about the name. But let's get an economist, let's, let's get um, some social workers, let's get a psychologist. I think we need a board of people to decide what's best. 
Mm -hmm. I think we just need something a little bit more global to decide what's best. If that's shutting down for three weeks and hopefully quench everything, whatever. But Mm -hmm. we just, we need more than, you know, four people deciding what to do is because not everybody's wired the same. We'll get into that. And if you have different personalities and you take their job away, they're going to respond different. Mm -hmm. And I see that. And right now, the biggest one is church. I see people struggling and especially my elderly. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Well, we've definitely missed, yeah, you know, that gathering and just that community of, you know, the Sunday service and just that, yeah, it's definitely been impactful for, for, you know, my household and as well as, you know, the community of the gym and all these positive things that we put into our lives yeah, for coping and for becoming better version of ourselves. Um, and I could see that really being debilitating to people, especially, especially if they're struggling with awareness of their own emotions or awareness of their bodies and awareness of what they're or the whole, like holistically what they're going through. If they just feel depressed and they're not aware of why that could be even scarier because there's a lot of denial. There's a lot of you know, just unknowns, a lot of fear, and a lot of those feelings that we, that just perpetuate the cycle. So I'm excited to talk further and kind of get into some remedies and some like, how can we become aware or how can we find new ways to cope or what are some turning points or pivots that we can shift to for hope and for um, right. getting past this. Right. So again, just then we'll, we'll just jump into it because we did cover a lot of stuff that I wanted to speak about. Mm-hmm. Um, we'll, we'll jump into that, Kayla, here in a minute. Um, stress and pain. This is one of the best things about stress is stress can blunt pain. And when we lose, lose a leg and you're in the battle or you get shot and mm-hmm. you're a, a trooper or you're a Marine, you can get through it because of stress. So stress isn't always bad. Everything we've said before now Stress has been kind of bad except for short-term immunity, but stress is really good for pain. It can really lower what you feel and make you get through, you know, a a four-mile walk back to your base camp after you've been shot a couple times. Stress does that. Not you, stress does. Stress makes sure you don't feel that pain. You know, I've I've even noticed that recently I've been um, running 10Ks every you know, once a week we run a 10 K and then, um, you know, I'm dying at like mile three and then mile four, I just kind of like get into a rhythm and I'm like, okay, my body's doing something to combat the pain of the running. And it's kind of like you get the second wind. Is that kind of along on a smaller scale from like getting shot in or wounded? Yep. You're exactly right. So the body releases opioids, endorphins, which bind to receptors and reduce pain. And opioids are from the body while opioids are from outside those are medications so good little difference there but yeah you're exactly right you only pound on that cartilage so much and you're either going to be in excruciating pain or your body's going to get through it and yeah that's what the stress response does and then further going into a little bit of learning and memory um, the big things with learning and memory is the cortex the big human fluffy brain is the hard drive and the hippocampus is the keyboard. We hear a lot about the hippocampus with stress. The hippocampus is only involved in the formation of explicit memory, facts, knowledge, events, but not implicit memory, like procedural things like playing a piano, hitting a ball, shooting a basketball, remembering how to start a fire. Those are all implicit memories. So chronic stress you know, brings down that hippocampus and really makes, makes it hard to retrieve memory. So we forget things like facts, knowledge, and events, but we remember things of procedure. So we can always remember procedure in chronic stress, how to do something. But if it's short term, like facts, you know, knowledge, events, we tend to forget that. And that's where you start to see parents losing keys and all and everything like that that might not be alzheimer's that might just be an accumulation of stress right which most parents go through and that's a big thing between chronic stress and alzheimer's is chronic stress you still have the memory 
you always have the memory. It's just harder to retrieve it because your keyboard isn't working. But in Alzheimer's and massive stroke, certain areas of your brain have died and you can no longer get that memory. Big difference there between chronic stress and some neuro, neurodegenerative disease. That's actually clears up a lot too, because I've noticed too, when I'm under heavy, heavy amounts of stress, I forget things. Like I'll forget um, someone's last name or just like little things. And I'm like, what is going on here? Am I like, I'm in my thirties, this shouldn't be. And I'm realizing I'm overbooked. And I've probably been in kind of a chronic burnout that uh, my tough Norwegian, tough Scandinavian outer shell does not want to admit. And instead I, um, yeah, I was told, I was told that I need to take a chill pill and take like, go on a date with my husband. And I'm like, yeah, it's been a hot mess. I turned into a hot mess. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's a, it's a little bit of a shamble guys. <laughs> I was but telling it, you something. <laughs> it is it, like, these are things that they, the, the good thing, kind of the silver lining of what you're, you know, about the physiological or the, you know, the things that are manifesting is like, we can use these as our trigger or like, we can be like, okay, all right, I've reached this point. I'm being forgetful. I put the keys in the fridge again. What do I need mm -hmm. to shift and change in my life to take that stress level down a little bit and bring it back to a dull roar? <laughs> Bingo. I mean, for real. And again, just like immune system short-term stress actually enhances, enhances memory. So mm -hmm. think about that. A short-term stressor enhancing memory and enhancing immune function. So you get sick, and we can talk about this another time, um, or you get vaccinated. Short-term stress makes memory, increases immunity, you develop immunity, and then, or you remember so you don't do the same thing again. So again, that short-term stress is really good. That running that 5K or running that, that's short-term stress. That little opioid rush you get and you get into your runner's high is great. Or, you know, you just screwed up something at mom and dad's house. You broke something because you mishandled it. Well, that short-term stress, you'll remember, oh, I can't do that again. Mm -hmm. You'll remember that forever. That's why, you know, I'm not like condoning, uh, well, and I'm, I'm not saying that spanking is good or bad. Okay. I'm not saying that, but what the studies with, you know, like a physical spanking, one spank have shown is that kids tend to remember, don't, don't put dad's shoe in the garbage disposal. Okay. <laughs> like, it's just like, it, it's stuff like that. A short-term yeah. stress you learn and it's like, whoa, that was stressful. I don't want to be spanked on the butt again. Mm -hmm. So we're not putting the shoe in the garbage disposal. So Dr. Miles, is that something you did as a little boy? <laughs> did you put the shoe in the disposal? I hear what you mean though, too. Yes. I hear what you mean. I like, it's like when the kid touches the burner for the first time well, and they, they learn that. right away. They're like, I'm not going to touch that again. And that's that, you know, definitely like, we all have had, like, I've, you know, as a kid falling off your bike or, you know, you learn, okay, you got to pedal faster or whatever and kind of go up from there. But yeah, mm -hmm. that totally makes sense. Right. So now let's jump into some of this, um, I don't know, the psychological stuff and let's, and let's get down to this coping and what we can do. Um, you touched on it earlier, Kayla, <clears throat> a little bit about depression. Um, when, when animals are con, like exposed to uncontrollable stressors, now this is that up and down roller coaster, okay? They have trouble coping with all sorts of other tasks, not just the stressor, okay? So we know that the, the up and down starts to ruin things in other life. So this is, you know, what this does is you can't cope with the stress and you can't move on in life. So you start reacting to everything in a non-normal way and you develop non-normal coping mechanisms, and thus you, it's called learned helplessness. Learned helplessness is what gets you into the whole cycle of depression. In, in, in some depressive cases, there's other depressive cases that's whatnot, but you get this, um, you're, you're pessimistic about your own, your own efforts to cope with your own action. 
and you say, you know what, why, why is this even worth it? I, I can't do it anyway. Mm-hmm. I fail every time, you know, and then we learn to be helpless. The, you know, the biggest, the big studies on this were why does the abuse of wife always stay with the husband? Well, you've learned, you've learned help, you've been taught, and now you're helpless. So you just sit there and take it, and then you, at the end of the day, you say, okay, what do you want for supper? You know, what, what goes through the mind that's not a wife just combating, you know, and saying, I'm too tough to admit that I need to get out of this, and I'm not going to do it because of, you know, maybe some religious thing, I'm not getting a divorce. It's not that. It's the fact that they've learned to be helpless. They've learned that, that no matter what they do, life won't get better. So they'll assume the worst. And if the worst is death, getting hit and getting beat is nothing. Thus, that's the depressive cycle. And it's not to that extent in people that are depressed, but it takes a story like that to understand how we get stuck in the depressive loop. And with people that are depressed, you see that they're, they're all low they're, you know, they're kind of moping around, they're kind of down, they need a good pick me up, social support works the best for stressful and depressive events, by the way, and we'll get to that later. But they're actually their glucocorticoids, their cortisol levels are through the roof. Some of the highest we've ever, ever seen actually, are in depressive people. And you usually think, you know, cortisol, epinephrine, that you're jacked up and you're wound tight and you're pulling your hair out. Nope, not all the time. And depressive people, they are so revved up on the inside, but they can't do anything because they've learned to be helpless. Wow, that's a that is um, that's an eye opening thought and an eye opening reality. And like it, it can, I feel like it's something that it can affect someone on a on a very grand scale, like like an abusive relationship. And it can also be, it, it could be something as simple or not as simple, but it could be a job or it could be a friendship or it could be just even um, like even the stresses of COVID or the stresses of, you know, un- unrest uh, that are other factors that could cause. And it's a lot of times I think we're, we're so unaware where, yeah, we're like conditioned. We're like, Oh, it's just, that's just how things are. It's just, and then we're not really taking into account how we're actually taking that. We may say something, but our bodies and our, our bodies are dropping these chemicals and the the havoc is being in the body and we're not even aware of it. And that's like the scariest part. I feel like it's, Mm -hmm. and it's, it's a small, it's like a trickle down. It's like this trickle down. It starts on the one thought and then it'll like the seed is planted and then it kind of manifests. And then before you know it, it's like you've put on a hundred pounds or you're, you know, whatever it is that you take to, um, to cope. So yeah, I'm mean, I'm really looking forward to hearing some kind of um, remedies now too because we've been almost there. The light at the end of the tunnel is near, folks. <laughs> no. Okay, so what what Kayla mentioned earlier was we were talking about predictability, control, and anticipatory mm-hmm. stress. Um, predictability, again, I think I said this before, but predictability is so important in determining how you're going to re- cope with a stressor. And I think I said this earlier, but I'll say it again. When the Nazis were bombing London, they hit every night in the city. They hit every night in the city and everybody in the city knew exactly when they were going to hit. But the suburbs were hit randomly. Okay, the suburbs didn't know. They'd randomly drop some bombs and then they'd go, you know, pulverize the city. Mm -hmm. The people in the suburbs got more ulcers, were more stressed, than the people in the city because the people in the city could predict when they were going to get bombed. So mm-hmm. even though they got bombed more, the prediction factor went down. And when you can predict, you become less stressed. So there's your first cope is prediction. You got to set yourself up where you can predict what is going to happen. So that's a surrounding yourself with good people because you can predict what for the most part what your friends are going to do or you can predict what your job is going to do if you don't do something on time and predictability is just so important it's hard because predictability is almost under you know you can't control it mm-hmm. you only can control it by planning 
and planning is anticipation and anticipation causes the most stressful response so it's just like, again it's it just that self-repeating cycle and the next part of this is control you know and my my thing that i wrote down here is you know airplanes are safer than cars yet we feel more stressed in planes this is because we don't have control mm -hmm. right yeah. we control our driving we're less stressed we don't control our driving we're way more stressed so again just another reason the last part of that is anticipation and i think the best study that i found on anticipatory stress was with paratroopers that jumped out of airplanes and their the lead up to jumping out of an airplane resulted in so much anticipatory stress that when they jumped they could merely you know even have a stressful response because they were so stressed out beforehand but what happens is as the paratroopers get better the anticipatory stress gets lower. So all of a sudden, when they jump, they get the same stressful response. And when they land, it goes down. But the anticipation stress goes way down. Mm -hmm. So that's, you know, going to a new job. That's getting comfortable in a new job. That's getting comfortable with a new boyfriend or girlfriend. That's getting comfortable with moving in with somebody that already has a kid. The anticipation wears off. And then you only have to deal with the stressful events. That's how that works. This kind of reminds me of a story too. When I was at, um, I went to Valley Fair when I was in middle school. And you know that first time you go on that big roller coaster and you get the, your stomach is in your mouth, that yeah. huge adrenaline drop. But then you go on that same roller coaster two, three, four times. And by that fourth time, you have, it's still a little bit of a rush. But you're not, you don't get that overwhelmed. You're kind of like, all right, I know what's going to happen. I'm going to survive this. I'm going to mm -hmm. feel a little funny for like five seconds. Mm -hmm. And you kind of, then you can like go on with your life. So it's, that's kind of like, I rem that thought popped up when you were talking about this, like as a 14 year old and I went on that, I remember that first time was really, really scary. But then by like the second <laughs> time I was like, all right, I got this. Yeah. <laughs> the, 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 the anticipation is what you know that's is as general as i can say it that's the biggest thing that you can control to get better now first day on the job you can't control that but how you prepare for that job or how you prepare for that roller coaster or how you prepare is going to make your anticipation go down i would trust your body to handle the stress of work but i wouldn't trust your body to handle the you know staying up all night till three in the morning thinking about work crap you know slamming a cup of coffee and a piece of toast we call them tea and toasters and going to work your anticipation just ruined your day mm -hmm. that is where the trick to managing stress is is trust your body to handle the stress but knock down the anticipation Mm -hmm. Lock down the anticipation. That's why, Kayla, you've alluded to it is with COVID. There is so much anticipation. Am I going to lose my job? We don't even know yet, right? Because mm -hmm. it hasn't happened. But here we are bugging out. Mm -hmm. And then when they say, go home and stay home, well, it's like, okay, here I am. And you're just dealing with stress now at home. Uh -huh. But the anticipation before something happens is brutal. And what I would tell people is just know that it's out of your control. Um, a lot of spiritual people, Religious people, they, they pray. Um, unfortunately, a lot of bad people, they hurt things like their spouse and domestic violence cases go up. Mm -hmm. And then there's a lot of people that sit in the middle and they run into that, what we just talked about, that depressive episode of learned helplessness. Yeah. You know, you just, if you can cut down the anticipation, right? The anticipation, are we going back to school? Am I going to lose my job or is my job just going to be closed for a while? Are we getting a stimulus check? Is this ever going to end? If you can come to terms with that being out of your control, you will save yourself like years and years of life and a couple gray hairs for sure. Like, and that's, and that's for real. I I've seen it in the patients. You just, mm -hmm. you know, the, the tone of their nails, the tone of their hair, everything is like, it goes down when you're stressed. You don't eat as healthy, you know, two thirds of people when they're, you know, high stress become hyperphagic, 
which means eat a lot, and the other third become hypophagic, which means they don't eat a lot. Mm -hmm. So you're developing an anxiety, and again, I wrote this down, which anxiety is just a, mi a mismatch between the perceived world and the real world. And guess what? What you're living right now, your business, whether it's your job, your relationship, or just you, is what you should worry about. And then when you got that under control, go help somebody else. Because when you're at 100%, you can do that. Mm -hmm. But when you're not at 100% and you have anxiety and you're, you know, you're out of, you can't control it, your predictability is out of this world, and you have so much anticipation that you knot off all your fingernails except for your pinky toe, you know, you just like set it up for like a huge problem. If we can learn anything right now, it's if we can just take a week to take care of ourselves, we can expel and expend so much energy taking care of others for the next years to come. It, it's just amazing. And it's, you just can't guilt trip yourself that you're being selfish. You, you're trying to prime yourself to be your best because then you can do your best instead of, you know, hate to say it, but instead of half-assing it, because we get that. We get people that don't go as hard or they are just lukewarm about everything they do. And it, it doesn't help when you're like, oh yeah, I care about that, but I'm going to sit over here. You know, like actually just get better, care about it and go do something. That's so true. And sometimes that means asking for help and that's okay. I, we're, we're, my husband and I are asking for help right now and we found some great coaches that align with our values and are, you know, in our case, it's a faith-based counselor and it's, it's been, it has worked wonders just being able to understand what the heck we're going through and now we can assess it and now we can sharpen the tools in our tool belt. Now we can address things when we can pick out little things when he, when like Pete does something or when I do something, it's like, ah, she's not in a good headspace. What can I do? Or he's not in a good headspace. And we can kind of tag team that, you know, and combat the stress together. And I feel like having a partner, like whether it's a friend or a, like a doctor you trust, like Dr. Miles or, or who, you know, whatever it is to have an accountability partner or someone you can work stress, work through stressful times with is probably a really big benefit as well. Like you said, surround yourself with good people. Uh, so that's a really good, it's a good, that's, that's, like you just said, Kayla, what you just did was what I wanted to say is you have to get outside your comfort zone and you should go seek help and you need somebody that you can pretty, 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 much, pretty much yell at, but not yell at so they can interpret it and then spit it back to you. Like, okay, you just told me that a meteorite was going to hit the world yesterday and it didn't, but you're still worried about that meteorite. Like, okay, that doesn't make sense. Right. You're like, oh yeah, that doesn't. And it's done. It's like, it's like that quick. So social support is probably the biggest thing we see across humans. We see across primates that unless you're genetically gifted to handle stress, just like a champ, um, you, you're going to need social support, whether it's your spouse, whether it's a, you know, a counselor, a spiritual leader, whoever it is, you know, a, what did uh, Tom Hanks get Wilson in Castaway? Oh, yeah. Wilson, that was his stress. Yeah. That was his counselor. That's how he dealt with it, you know? Mm -hmm. So again, getting, again, we're, I'm almost, I think, yeah, I only got a, like two slides left of things I want to go over is what the research, the raw data shows is people that can tell the difference between threatening and neutral interactions are going to be less stressed. So that's a gift. Mm -hmm. That's something you develop from mom and dad that if you know if, if you should walk into this door or not walk into this door you're already a better stressed person okay now if you're a person that's active or passively waits the person that passively waits is more stressed we see this across all primates and we see this across humans so those two little personalities that you know you can either develop or you know it's pretty much people that are gifted with them from genetics if you have the ability to differentiate between a threat and a non-threat and then to act and non-act, you're going to be in a way better shape. Mm -hmm. So I, I would just tell people that gut instinct, that intuition, which is a dangerous word in science because it's a word that clusters emotion, feeling, and action 
but can't be measured. You know, so it's a dangerous thing in science to say, but intuition and gut feeling, that's a, you should go with that. Mm. You should go with that. But if you're just got out of, you just got your divorce papers and you just, you know, now you're three months into a divorce, maybe you shouldn't because your intuition, you know, has been plagued by cortisol, dopamine, aggression, punching a hole in a wall. And uh, I wouldn't go with your gut then. So it's all, it's all quick scenario. You just got to trust yourself and you got to always be aware of your current environment. And again, um, in primates, this study, if you have friendships, you have lower cortisol, period. If you have somebody you can lean on, lower cortisol, less anxiety. Um, it doesn't matter what ranking you are in society. And this is, I can't say this for humans, but for definitely for, for monkeys and baboons, it doesn't matter where you're at in society. If you have some friends and people that, you know, pick bugs off your back and mm-hmm. then you pick bugs off their back, you do better. Mm-hmm. You for <laughs> real do better. It's pretty amazing. Find the people the, that you, whose backs you can pick bugs off of. Bingo. <laughs> and we'll do the same. Yeah. Right? I like that. That needs to go on a t-shirt. <laughs> yes. <laughs> for real. Um, and then I wanted to knock out this myth. Um, again, it seems common sense, but research hasn't shown it yet. So it's, again, a mix of common sense and research. But type A and repressive people, it's not so much that type A people are more stressed, but type A people tend to be more hostile, express anger, um, being in power is more stimulating. And in those situations, it's those people, type A people, that get more cardiovascular disease. So it's not so much they're more stressed. They can't, we can't, we haven't proven that yet, but type A people tend to get more cardiovascular disease because they use emotion, especially anger, which requires blood to do their daily tasks. Whereas repressive people, they're not, you know, they're not, the repressive doesn't mean depressed or it doesn't mean anxious. These guys are planners, they're structured livers, they're rule bound. Um, they desire social approval but they hate ambiguity. You know, they need black or white, never and always yes or no. Mm-hmm. Okay. These people lack emotional suppress, emotional expression. And guess what? These people tend to be overreactive in their stress response. Mm-hmm. So we can prove that. Okay. Mm-hmm. So they tend, they're very good at keeping all their stress in, all their stress in, and then something clicks and they go ballistic. Mm, right? or yeah. they, go to, they get a little wild and these are the people that we call introverts these are those calm cool collective like you know they're walking on hot fire and glass bullets are going by and they're just like reading the newspaper you know <laughs> those are those are those people but then all of a sudden something happens right something mm. happens that's emotional usually tied with family and then they just they become super impulsive become overreactive stressors and boom it, it's it's gone. Mm-hmm. They're toast, right? Awesome. So yeah, there's kind of some myths that type A people aren't more stressed, but type A people do have a higher risk of cardiovascular issues. So if you're out there saying that type A people are more stressed, you're not following research. But again, common sense might tell you they might be more stressed. We just haven't been able to measure it yet mm-hmm. in research. Mm-hmm. So again, I'm just putting that out there. Um, so dealing with stress, Social support is huge. doesn't matter where you are. It does not matter where you are in the ranking. If you're at the lowest end of the society or highest, you better have social support or stress. You know, stress doesn't discriminate. Stress beats you down. Get yourself some friends, folks. Bingo. (laughs) Good one. (laughs) Right. So, and again, in monkeys, outlets for frustration. That's another way to cope with stress. So monkeys... (laughs) When a monkey loses a fight, you know what they do? They go find a less, you know, a less ranking male and they pulverize that male. They don't kill it, but they just lost a fight. So they go beat up somebody that's weaker and more pathetic. That's how animals take out stress. It's a bully. Right. (laughs) Human, we can't do that. Well, we can, but it's not good. Again, like you guys just said, bullies. Mm-hmm. domestic disputes, go, you know, disturbances, I should say, going up during COVID, people being locked together, 
Again, we took away a lot of people's coping mechanisms. Mm -hmm. And I think we really need to rethink how we close down slash reopen in future days to come, whatever that looks like. Yeah. Um, again, predictability. Just find a way to get yourself in a predictable environment. Don't date somebody that you look forward to only Mondays because Mondays are great. But then Tuesday, Tuesday is Tasmanian Devil Day. The next day is Elephant Day. Next day is Rhinoceros Day. Then you don't even know what words are for the other days. Don't date somebody for one day. Don't be a friend with somebody because Monday is awesome. Because you just took all the predictability out of your life. So you're going to be stressed. Who are you getting? You getting the ostrich? You getting the penguin? Or are you getting like the, the Saharan lion that hasn't eaten in three weeks? Like who are you getting? Like predictability that I mean it's we don't think about it but be predictable means having somebody that when when you come home and you need a shoulder to lean on because that's just what you do after work that they're there every time yeah that they're there every time and even if it's for five minutes mm -hmm. you know control this was a neat stu uh, neat study um and I'll just read it how I wrote it studies have shown that if you give chronic pain patients the ability to control their own painkiller dosage i.e. they press a button to increase their dosage, miraculously, the total amount of painkiller consumed decreased. It's the sense of control that's doing wonders here. It does not, it's not just the exercise of the control, it's the perception. So great, neat, neat little study that just showed if you give people the power, much like people's, people's rising autonomy, they will make good informed decisions for themselves. Mm -hmm. But as soon as you start making decisions for them and it goes against their morals, but they then, but they trust you, but it goes against your morals, but they trust you. They're going to take more medicine. They're going to OD. They're going to become addicted. So mm -hmm. it just, it's interesting, but give people control. It's an amazing thing that helps a lot of people give them their own control. My wheels are ticking right now. Like, <laughs> That's incredible. I'm just seeing all these things in my life because I recently, I've recently given up all diet plans. Like I, in a sense of like, I've tried this diet, I've tried that diet, I've tried whatever, whatever. And I'm just right now I'm giving that up. I'm giving that onto my higher power and taking that off my shoulders and intuitive eating, I guess I would call it is what I'm going to be doing just to just to help because that is one of my coping mechanisms is to snack and that is something that I do when I'm stressed and I'm highly stressed so then I'm snacking a lot so to reduce that and then I'm always like oh, okay like control you have to control it control it and I'm putting that more stress on me so when I just decided last night to give that up and take a step and just like just intuitively eat and let that just give it a try you know and um, so that's, that's, it's so interesting. The things we're talking about are things that I've recently been just kind of thinking about myself in my life, you know, through times of stress and, uh, the times of unrest and just times of uncertainty, just because I just reached a point. I'm like, I can't do this anymore. So I'm, you know, taking steps in the right direction. And I think that's kind of where hopefully this talk we've had, this, a beautiful talk we just had can shed some light on, you know, those things, you know, surround yourself with good people, you know, be, be thinking about how you're feeling and what you're doing and like recognize what, how are you coping? What coping things have you been lacking lately? And that negative mindset, how far deep are you? And sometimes it takes, you know, one of those good friends or a mentor or somebody who can help you. Cause sometimes you don't, I didn't know I would have that high of a stress level. I thought I was doing okay. Turns out it's not okay. And that explains probably a lot of what's going on in my body. Um, so these have been some great, great things for people to digest. Um, no pun intended, actually pun intended. <laughs> <laughs> so this has been a wonderful talk. Is there any last amazing words before we wrap for the day from Jody, Dr. Miles and experience? Um, yeah. I, I would just have people like to sit on this. It's like, it's a quote from one of the research books that I've been reading on this. I just decided to make the last four months of this year to research stress and stress response and why people act the way they do. 
And the, the, the biggest thing, the quote I took away from it is, hold on a second. Thanks, Jody. <laughs> no um, worries, Dr. Ma. Can you start that one over? Yeah, again, um, the, the biggest thing for people to take away, and it's, come, it's coming from a lot of research, it's coming, I'm not, I didn't make this up. One of my, you know, people that I look up to that does all this research said this, is in our privileged lives, we are uniquely smart enough to have invented stressors and uniquely foolish enough to have let them too often dominate our lives. Surely we have the potential to be uniquely wise enough to banish their stressful hold. And I just, I just wanted to put that out there that you are in control of this. And you know, much like Kayla said, we need outlets for frustration, exercise, yoga, running. That's okay. That is okay to have an outlet of frustration. Go do it. A social support group, you know, increase the predictability, increase the control to an ex a safe um, a safe amount, and then that anticipation. Just control what you control and be okay with it, because anticipatory stress is the most brutal stress before the stress even happens. Mm -hmm. So that's that's what I want to put my two cents out there. Is again, we don't worry about leprosy. We don't worry about elephantiasis. Heck, we don't even, you know, we barely worry about tuberculosis. Instead, we worry and worry and worry. And we've created our own problems in this country. Mm -hmm. And you have the power to create them. and You have the power to take them away. Yep. But like anything, it's harder to take them away and seek help. Don't rely on yourself to get through of it. Because at the end of the day, we're all animals. Whether we make a mistake whether we do something crazy, whether we hurt somebody, we're all animals. And eventually something is going to snap in all of us. Do we freak out? Do we become depressive? Do we do something? Now, thank God we can all deal with it for the most part, but don't just trust yourself that well, that you're that cool, that you can handle it, you know, as good as you think. Seek help, like Kayla said. Mm -hmm. Go out and seek help. Yeah. We need those people to help us sharpen our tool belt sometimes. So uh, thank you so much, Dr. Miles, for this great discussion on stress. I'm so excited to, uh, for people to listen and, um, and tune in. And you guys, thank you so much. Thank you, Jody. You guys, I love having these guys on. Every month we have Jody and Dr. Miles on once a month to talk about these things that are relevant, that are happening to us, that we can realize our brains aren't as broken as we think they are and we can start to regain some of that momentum in a positive direction so thank you guys so much for tuning in to the wow factor where we help you discover ways to be well and live well have a great rest of your day you guys take care